Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 13, Episode 152. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Friday, Steelers Nation, as we are doing our best to get through July in this super slow season. Dave, how you doing? I am doing fantastic on this Friday. Looking forward to Friday is spaghetti day in our house. Uh, so looking forward to some spaghetti today. And it looks like we have officially reached uh, uh, peak. Uh, is Mike Tomlin the Hall of Fame worthy <laughs> season? <laughs> Which tells you how slow it is. And we're going to be talking about it, you and I, a little bit today. Uh, I'm praying for the uh, NFL Network top uh, 100 to actually get here. Uh, th- that kind of thing. Well, I've seen a whole bunch of uh, uh, crap for the for a lack of a better word uh, out there. Uh, uh, suggestions of uh, Alex Highsmith being a, <laughs> a trade candidate. I mean, uh, you 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 always forget how slow uh, this part this this time of the year gets until this time of the the year actually gets here, you know, so, but uh, we've got a few things to talk about today. I think that uh, people might find interesting. Yeah. We'll dive back into your 90 and 30 series here in just a couple of minutes, but we'll start off with Kim Hayward who had, you know, he's kind of made some waves on Twitter. I mean, waves in terms of off season waves, which are not very big, but it is the off season. So as you said, really nothing going on taking some shots and kind of firing back at places like PFF for some perceived disrespect and rankings and different exercises they have done. Then he took to Instagram the other day and, you know, kind of explained why he wears his heart on his sleeve when it comes to social media and and some of the responses that he has just talking about the accountability and trying to be the best teammate and leader uh, possible and really just kind of having a heart to heart moment on social media about why he kind of gets as frustrated as he does. And so I thought that was an interesting comment and a kind of a real vulnerable moment there from Cam Hayward. Look, uh, I, I have no issue. And this isn't the kind of the first time he's he's had some of these, you know, uh, addressing this is why I work hard, uh, the, the job's not done. Uh, type of post on social media here. And uh, look, uh, you know, sometimes uh, he, he's not happy unless he gets angry. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I, I can relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> the older you get, you know, th- 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 those those things kind of end up, I, I think, sometimes manifesting itself. Uh, I saw a couple of uh, younger players kind of, uh, I wouldn't say, uh, I don't know what you call re-Instagram or re-gram or, 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 or re-thread re- now we, we, we talking threads. Oh, re-thread or repost on, on, mm-hmm. on Instagram. So, uh, I think maybe it was, it was, it could be twofold. It's, uh, a couple of weeks, uh, 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 since the mandatory mini camp ended, uh, obviously training camps up on, on, you know, up next and all a little motivational shot over the bow, if you will, by the captain. And, uh, it's not like he said anything, you know, remotely, 
controversial. Uh, I, you know, I don't think he's just saying, look, you know, people want to say why some of this stuff gets, or people want to know why some of this stuff gets under, under my skin, uh, be, you know, and, 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 uh, that I shouldn't maybe take it as personal as I do. I don't know. Some, some people like to be motivated like that. They like mm-hmm. shots taken, taken at them. So, uh, a it gave us something to, to, to write about B, uh, I, I think, I think a lot of, I think a few of the younger guys on the roster maybe saw it and maybe it got them a little fired up as well, too. That's a good point. Yeah. Whenever I first saw, you know, especially when Cam and again, we're huge Cam Hayward fans, what he's done for the franchise on and off the field, truly one of the best players in, in history to put on a Pittsburgh Steelers uniform. But whenever I saw him get upset about PFFs, you know, $3 lineman you know build build the best defensive line possible and Hayward's in the three dollar slot and he's seemingly upset about that it's like it's just a stupid graphic you know is it really that big of a deal but I can understand his perspective when he you know expanded his thoughts in that Instagram post and you know why this means so much to him and he's a guy that you know wears his heart on his sleeve and this this means something to him he takes this opportunity as seriously as you can and in the the platform he's on for you know being a leader being a face of this franchise what it means to him and he just wants to be you know as good of a representative as possible and try to get that respect because he has been overlooked for long stretches of his career you know it wasn't until Pittsburgh reclassified him as a defensive tackle instead of a defensive end that he started getting the pro bowl looks and kind of more of those uh recognition and so I understand that frustration from being a first round pick who sat on the bench the first two years called a bus called a guy that didn't work out. I mean, he's kind of heard some of that criticism throughout his career. So, you know, he's got, a, he's got a big chip on his shoulder and and I respect that. And it serves him well. And on the flip side, uh, places like BFF, ESPN, CBS, all, you know, everybody, you know, this time of season, you're, you're scratching to, to get things that are out in the open for, for discussion and visibility. And, uh, you're going to step on a couple of toes, uh, or, or, or dozens of them whenever you put that kind of stuff out. Uh, I, my thought on this for, for a long time now has been that, uh, if I was an athlete, I would, I would, I wouldn't even open the internet or newspapers <laughs> or, or, or anything like that. But obviously you can't, you know, stick your head in the sand, uh, like that. But, uh, once again, I, you know, this, it, it's not like this is the first kind of, I don't want to call it an, an outburst, uh, but kind of, you know, like, like you said, Cam wearing his, you know, letting his emotions be known, uh, publicly. And I think he did it kind of, uh, 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 classfully and mm-hmm. and i think a few of the younger players maybe it fired a couple of them up so uh as well and once again you know cam might be one of those good kind of people that you know wakes up on a monday and looking for something uh to be angry about to 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 get him out of bed and 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 do the push-ups sure that works for some players i think it works for cam hey we're just looking at him more broadly kind of outside the scope of this recent a post and conversation, not that any of us know the answer to it, but how much more is in the tank for Cam Hayward? Still playing at an extremely high level, but he is now in his mid-30s. Defense alignment don't typically play much you know, more beyond that. It seems like Hayward is equipped to, but how many more years do you think this guy's got? Yeah, and I wrote a post about him uh, right before he uh, let loose on, on Instagram 
talking about how he could reach a franchise milestone at the end of uh, this season, and specifically when it comes to games, uh, overall games played. And he has a chance if he uh, plays in all 17 games in 2023 to tie the great Mel Blunt for fifth overall in the franchise when it comes to games played with, uh, with 200. And that's, mm-hmm. I mean, that's quite an accomplishment. I mean, the fact that he's played already, uh, what is he? 183 games at this point and is tied for, I guess that makes it eighth or ninth place with, uh, Deshae Townsend. We just, and the thing that got me down that rabbit hole is we just talked about, mm-hmm. uh, you mentioned Deshae Townsend the other day, right? Yeah. Uh, and that got me going down uh, that rabbit hole. And obviously have known that, you know, Cameron Hayward's been in the league uh, uh, quite a while now. And he's just one. He needs two more games uh, played to pass Dermonte, Dermonte Dawson for, for number number seventh uh, uh, on the list. But once again, if he plays in all 17 games this year, he will tie Mel Blunt at 200. 200 games, uh, playing 200 games, let alone in, in the NFL but for one franchise is just not a common occurrence <laughs> in, mm-hmm. in, in, in this day and age. So, uh, and then, you know, kind of, as you, uh, asked there, what, what does the future hold beyond this year? Now, look, he's under contract for next year, I believe, uh, overall, but you know, when does, and, and at, you know, from basically what his output has been uh, versus what he his average yearly value is right now, at least the last couple of seasons, uh, has been phenomenal. You know, I mean, the, you want to talk about the Steelers getting banged for their buck. Uh, they really have gotten them gotten it so far on this contract. And remember all the uh, all the, you know consternation from the from a lot of the fan base back when he signed that last deal oh that you know overspending and mm-hmm. and and all like that i i really think they've gotten their bang for the buck uh when it comes to him and in fact if you look at defensive tackles and the average yearly value that cam has right now at 16.4 million he's down there like 15th overall right around in there as far as across the league earnings so uh you know, he is a value right now. So the, I guess the, the conversations that we will be having, uh, you know, probably starting, I don't know, March and, and on of, of next year is, you know, will, will they extend him maybe two more years? Uh, uh, a, to get his cap number down in, uh, 2024, because right now that thing's, you know, set to be 22.4, uh, million. They're obviously not going to do anything with his cap number. Uh, uh, I don't think that th- this off season here, but next off season, if they did decide that he's worthy of, of maybe a two year extension and quite honestly, you get, you do get into that gray area of age versus father time mm-hmm. and, and all like that. But, uh, I, I think, 2023 is going to be a real important season for him if indeed he does think that he can play past the 2024 season and if he does uh think that he deserves it in 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 in, in extension after the 2023 season so uh my best answer to that question of you asking me how much longer do i think he can go yeah <laughs> 
come 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 get me after the 2023 season uh, because I think it's kind of a to to be determined uh, type situation here with him. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I think he's he made a reference relatively recently within the last couple of months. Was it three more years he wanted to go or two more years? I think he had a a number in mind, but really has not slowed down. Now there was. You know, in in that week two to week four range, when the team lost T.J. Watt, I thought Hayward had some really quiet games. Remember Cole Strange, you know, really kind of handling him in week two when they played the Patriots. But, you know, Hayward finished the year strong, 10 and a half sacks, the second most he's ever had in a single season. The play is still at a really, really high level. And, you know, at some point it's going to fall off, but there's really no real signs of that yet. And. Yeah, it's a great point about, you know, hitting. I think it'd be pretty special to hit exactly 200 on that final game of the season in week 18 against Baltimore, a game that'll probably mean a whole lot for both teams, if I had to guess. So I think it's really cool there for him to do that. According to PFR, and sometimes their uh, positions can be a little untrustworthy, but uh, just in a brief look up in NFL history, there have been exactly 50 defensive linemen to play in 200 plus games. So Hayward could become the 51st. And I think that's a a really cool milestone for him to achieve. Uh, And look, I mean, even though uh, uh, TJ Watts right there with him, uh, uh, there's, there's technically, I guess, a chance that, that Hayward could, could at least break James Harrison's sack record first. Right. Right. He's one ahead. I, I really hope that Hayward does just to have that moment for a moment, even knowing that TJ Watt will eventually surpass him. Right. So, uh, I mean, those two are right there uh, on the cusp of it. And both of them, you know, if they stay healthy and, and productive, they, they should pass James Harrison, you would think, this year. So uh, it would be cool to see Cam get it first. And, and that's no disrespect to TJ to, to Watt, you know, uh, just for you know, like you said, kind of let him have the moment in the <laughs> sun just for a little bit before TJ Watt goes roaring past him. But, uh, uh, look, I, I mean, I, and, and I think he's in, he's in our selection of uh, 90 and 30. I think we're going to talk about today I- anyway, but, uh, uh, I don't think there's any reason to, 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 to expect, you know, a huge drop off with Cam Hayward this season here. Fair. I hope not. Although, at some point, there will be a drop-off. As you always say, Father Time is undefeated. When that'll be, I don't know. I don't expect it to happen in 2023, but at some point, it is going to occur. And, and it will obviously help him if everybody around him stays healthy, right? I mean, you got a Larry Joby that you hope is is over uh, all the little things and the slow start, you know, uh, that, that he had last year. You obviously have... You know, at some point, going to have a younger player uh, in in the middle there, and and really either one of them. You know, it could could be Fajoko. Uh, at some point, you would think it's going to be you know primarily Keanu Benton. Uh, we just talked about Ogan Joby. Uh, you know, does does Watts make this roster and be able to get some 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 decent playing time? And then of course on on the edges on both sides, you got really. Uh, 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 two very productive players, obviously, and Watt and Alex Highsmith. So, you know, having all those guys stay healthy and productive, at some point, Cam's going to have a, a tasty matchup or four, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think the point that you made in that article about you know potentially hitting 200 career games, 
the health and durability to to do that is remarkable. The guy has not missed missed a game the last two years. In 2020, was he? You say he got held out? I think in the finale was there something it was, else he had missed too. It was uh, well, the last two games that he had, he has missed have both been been against the Browns in Week 17, and those were uh, okay. Uh, uh, watch the birth certificate injuries, uh, right? You know, in other words, healthy scratches to get him ready uh, for the playoffs. You have to go all the way back to uh, the season that he tore the uh, the uh, the pec and all for the last time that he actually missed a game due to injury. Now he missed quite a few of them uh, that season. Cause I think uh, before he suffered that injury against the Cowboys, I Out, think yeah, that Dallas, yeah. uh, there he had something, a couple of, that caused him to be inactive a couple of weeks prior to that. But uh, he's been for lack of a better word, a picture of, of, of health outside of that, 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 that torn pack, you know, what was it? 17, 16, 16. Yeah. Uh, and the, once again, the last two games I think that he's missed have been healthy scratches. Okay, right. So for six straight seasons, the dude has not missed time. For a defense lineman who's in his now mid-30s, that does not happen. You just don't see that kind of stuff right. you know, anymore. So it's a real testament to how he takes care of himself during the week, you know, in-game. And this guy's playing a lot, a lot of snaps, too. They're not rotating him. They've They've had so many seasons where they thought, Okay, let's try to reduce Kim Hayward's snap count a little bit. I know 2021, there was that idea, and then guys get hurt, and you go, nope, you're playing 80% of the time, Cam. Good luck. You know, but last year, though, uh, we did see him down, I think, at the 75% number, right? What was yeah, it? Yeah, it did come down a little bit last year, so that that that's a good thing overall. Um, there were a couple of blowouts that kind of, you know, I think had their sure, you know, you take you take Hayward off the field when you're getting you know routed by the Bills and the Eagles, but still, it did come down a little bit, and, and that is a more ideal place for him to be at this point in his career, right? And I I, I think uh, obviously you don't you, you want the blowouts to be on your end if he has to come out of the game, but but with some of these younger guys as well too, you know it. it 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 might be realistic that he plays at max 80% of the snaps. Yeah, I still worry a bit about the base end depth there behind Hayward and Ogunjobi. I'm not quite sure what they have there. I don't know if Benton's ever going to move up and down the line. Probably not that much in base. You know, Maybe there's a Watts. Watts. Yeah, I think a Watts would be a better candidate there, but there's still some level of not entirely sure what you have with him. So there's going to be some level of rotation, but I don't know if you have that super strong, you know, like a Chris Warmly is a guy you could rotate in and you really feel comfortable about what he would offer you. I don't know if that comfort currently exists behind Oak and Joby and Hayward right now. Okay. Uh, well, you know, the, the, I, I think the main takeaway here is uh, a salute to Cam Hayward and going to, you know, I, I think 2023 is huge for him when it comes to his career past that. Or, or specifically past 2024. Dave, as you mentioned, top of the show, there's kind of been this debate on Twitter because it is the dead of the off season about Mike Tomlin. And is he a Hall of Famer? That's been commented on by local media, by national media. I know the 33rd team, the website, just had an article saying that Tomlin was a likely Hall of Famer. I don't want to sit here for a half hour and debate it because I don't like, you know, he's, the guy's still coaching. His resume is going to be different, you know, whenever that that decision actually comes time. Uh, who knows when that'll be a decade from now plus. But your thoughts on, I guess the question to ask to kind of start things is, if Mike Tomlin never coached another game in the NFL, would he be a Hall of Famer? 
My initial thought would be yes. Uh, with uh, maybe exclamation point question mark. Uh, okay. I, 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 I do believe that it is. I don't believe it's uh slam dunk. Uh, what I, my, my thought on it's absolutely the right one. Uh, take it to the bank. Uh, that kind of thing there. But my initial feeling is yes, but I, I think it obviously is still open to some debate overall when it comes to that. I do think if he gets back in, you know, uh, moving past this, if today was not his final day, if he were to get into the playoffs, uh, maybe even specifically this year, win a couple of more playoff games, I think at that point it does secure it. Uh, uh, moving forward, and obviously, if he was to win one more Super Bowl, I think that's that's easy. Sure. That, that makes it uh, easily a slam dunk uh, type situation here. But uh, uh, my my gut feeling is, if he was to walk away right now, and it not be you know mired in any kind of controversy or anything uh, like that, my, my my gut tells me yes, he would, uh, and and probably first ballot too. Uh, uh, I, maybe that's open for discussion, but I, I think he would get in. I'm a little, little less confident, believe it or not. Um, I think it's possible. I think not, not that every head coach in the hall has two rings, but a lot of them do. And I feel like to me, that's kind of the separator between the hall of fame coach and the guy who might fall just short is that that second ring. Now I know, Bill Cower is in the Hall of Fame with just one ring, but remember, he benefited from that centennial class. It had extra people. It was an unusually large class, and so there, A, just aren't many head coaches in the Hall of Fame, and there's going to be some really intense competition because it's going to be around, you know, Bill Belichick and, and Andy Reid in that kind of era, and does Tomlin quite stack up? In terms of the Super Bowl ring aspect, he doesn't, and so that could be the knock on him. Now, I think what will certainly help him is the consistency, the overall resume. I mean, the guy's going to have 200 plus career wins whenever his career wraps up. But to ask the question about if he retired today, um, he's so well liked and well respected, rightfully so, by the national media and I'm sure by the voting base as well for the Hall of Fame. That's going to give him an advantage. So I'm a little less sure. And, you know, if I had that vote, would I put him in the Hall of Fame? I'm I'm not quite sure what I would do right now. I'm quite a little less confident than you just because I think to get in the Hall of Fame for a head coach, I think you got to have two rings. All right. Uh, if I were to argue against myself here, I would frame that argument as being, well, he's always been attached, you know, his success throughout, you know, his entire really coaching career up until last year has been tied to Ben Roethlisberger. He just simply rode the, uh, the Ben Roethlisberger, uh, wave. And on top of that, why didn't he do more with that wave? Uh, why wasn't there a second one, uh, in there with some, you know, with a, a second Super Bowl win with some of those teams and more specifically something we've talked about, you know, obviously now for, for, for a little bit is, you know, what has happened these last, you know, what, six seasons here, you know, uh, you know, yeah, it looks good on a bumper sticker, the winning record thing, but why haven't you won a playoff game? Uh, in this time, especially with, with, you know, Ben Roethlisberger, uh, uh, being on the roster and really some of those teams that were, uh, you know, 
that they have assembled over the years, you know, specifically going back more than, you know, three or four years ago there. So uh, if there was to be an argument, I think it would be, well, yeah, he had Ben Roethlisberger and, and B, well, why didn't he even do more than, 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 than the one Super Bowl during that span? Right. Yeah, I understand, you know, again, you're playing devil's advocate about having Ben, but of course, Bill Belichick had Tom Brady, and that's a useful way to win a bunch of Super Bowls when you have sure. the greatest quarterback of all time. So I wouldn't hold that against Tomlin to, to the point, though, could you have done more with that? Obviously, you were competing against Belichick and Brady, and that is difficult. But yeah, um, you know, and it's, that's not to, it's not me knocking, you know, the job that Mike Tomlin has done, but I think you got to really have that high level because the bar to get in the Canton in general is obviously incredibly high. I think the bar for a head coach or any non-player to get in the Hall of Fame has to be even higher. And, you know, has Tomlin quite gotten there yet? I think it's I think it's a borderline thing. I think it's similar to Bill Cower. And Bill Cower had to wait a long time and again had that extra large class in I guess what was it, 2020 that helped him get included. So um, would he have my vote? Yeah, as, as objectively as I'm trying to be and, and removing myself from my personal feelings, I, I'd really have to think about that. What if he had had made one more Super Bowl but lost it? Within I, knew, this- I knew you were going to ask that. and <laughs> I don't know how to answer that the best. Obviously, it helps to get to a third, even if you don't win it. You know, what's, know. you know, uh, <laughs> It's nice. I mean, it helps, but you're still Super Bowl loser, and you right. winners and ho- hoisting Lombardies is all the NFL comes down to. Sure, but you know, it it, it you know it would have been a couple more playoff wins in there. Sure, you're right. You know, so and and look, I mean, how many coaches even make it to a Super Bowl? You know. Uh, well, even, even though there's been 50 something of them now, you know? <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of them have, there's a lot of coaches with one again. That's why that, that second super bowl, there's a lot of coaches with one. It's a more exclusive club with two, with multiple. And obviously you have Chuck Nolan that with his four. So if, if he could, if obviously if Tomlin wins another super bowl, then it's conversation over. He's a hall of famer. Like to me, that that's, that's open and, and shut. If, if it ends up holding at one, I think it becomes interesting. I think he probably would get in eventually because of the totality of the resume in terms of the victories and the dude is just so well liked. I think people are going to put him in just because they really liked and appreciated and respected the coach that he was. And look, as, as objective as I try to be uh, now at this point in, in doing this as, as, as long as I have done it in, uh, you know, dating back to what 2008 and obviously being older and, and seeing the other eras and all like that. I'm a huge Mike Tomlin fan. <laughs> I, mean, Same. I, I am just, I, I am a Mike Tomlin fan, you know? So, uh, as much as I try to suppress that in a bias kind of aspect, I'm, I'm just, I'm a Mike Tomlin fan. Uh, you know, some of those things that you hear him say and, and cliche city and, and whatever I, I you know, there's sometimes he'll speak. I just want to, you know, I, I feel like I want to run through a wall, but, uh, and that is even as objective as I try to be, uh, that bias still people peeks through and I'm obviously a little bit older than you. I've seen, you know, a lot of, a lot more of this than, than, than you have. So, but even, even so I, in, in trying to suppress all that, it still feels like if he were to walk away right now, he would get in. 
Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I, I can certainly see that argument. And obviously, he's not walking away, and so he will add to his resume. And so I think the debates, I know we're having it right now, so I'm being a hypocrite here. But I think the debates can be a little bit silly about a guy in the middle of his career where he's maybe borderline, where it's like, okay, no one's deciding right now if Mike Tomlin's a Hall of Famer. He's going to coach for another five, seven, ten years. Who knows? And his resume will look different. So we'll judge it when the resume is done or very, very close to being done as opposed to to right now. But uh, yeah, interesting discussion. Just wanted to kind of pick your brain on on your thoughts there. Now, now look, if he can get this this 2023 team in the playoffs and win a playoff game or two, you know, uh, that that might that might convert, you know, a handful of his detractors at this point. Yeah, maybe. But, you know, 10 years from now, I'm not sure if winning a wild card game in 2023 is going to really be something that gets remembered unless his team obviously goes on a great run or something. Right. But it will definitely get remembered if that streak goes to seven years today. Right. I mean, uh, the streak goes uh, to, uh, you know, can, you know, consecutive seasons without a playoff win. Oh, yeah, year. for sure. For sure. Yeah, that, that will get remembered and talked about. Right. And and, and there will be. If they get in the playoffs, that obviously, I mean, almost certainly means that their non-losing streak has continued. And while I'm not crazy about that, that is something that that'll look nice on that Hall of Fame resume. I don't know if that's the qualifier to get you in the Hall of Fame for a head coach non-losing seasons, but given the streak and another year added, it's going to be one of those bullet points when you look at a Mike Tomlin resume along with the Super Bowl Super Bowl uh, victory and the two appearances about you know what kind of career that he had. And, and, you know, another thing that, that popped up in another graphic uh, this week, and I know you saw it, I tweeted it out, I think you retweeted it out there, is, uh, and we, we talk about the last, you know, six seasons and all, you know, in the last 10 seasons, uh, this 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 uh, this team only has three playoff wins, and two of them came in the same year, right? And I think all three of them came in, the, in, 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 in back-to-back seasons, right? Yeah, they've won three playoff games since they lost the Super Bowl to Green Bay. And what, two of those came in 2016 when they lost in the title game against the Pats, and they had won one other playoff game along the way. Right. So it's been, and again, winning the NFL is hard, and, and playoff records for most coaches are don't look great because they're one, they're one game series, you know, there's no best of seven type thing where the numbers can, can kind of get stacked up. You can have a quick 4-0 sweep and you'll kind of boost your numbers that way. So, um, you know, for a lot of what is Andy Reid's playoff record? I'm sure it's good, but I'm just curious just to kind of offer some perspective. I won't use Belichick because obviously his is absurdly good. Um, and that probably, you know, inflates the, the numbers here, skews things a little bit. His playoff record is. 22 and 16. So it's obviously above 500, but it's not anything, you know, absurdly high. Right. I think Mike Tomlin is eight and nine. I think I saw the stat the other day and Bill Cowher was right around 500. And Chuck Noll was obviously very, very good at 16 and eight in the playoffs. But just to kind of put in that perspective, you know, usually, usually playoff, you know, percentages are lower than what their regular season percentages are. All right. What's next on from the pre pre-production uh, podcast oh. uh, meeting? Yeah, we were burning the midnight midnight oil coming up with our pre-production meeting there. Uh, before we get into your 90, 90 and 30 series, Dave, uh, you had some over-unders on, on Kenny Pickett. There's some been some discussion about that and kind of some projections and predictions about what Kenny Pickett's 2023 season will look like. 
Yeah, and these over-under odds are just that. They're odds, and if you know anything about betting, they try to get action on both sides of these things, so Vegas wins either way. But uh, just wrote about that this past week here, and according to uh, DraftKings Sportsbook, right now the over, and these aren't likely to shift much, barring injuries and all like that. Uh, The over-under for passing touchdowns for Kenny Pickett in 2023 is just 18.5, and... Obviously, if you break that down over a 17-game season, it's just more than a hair, uh, averaging just a hair more than one per game. And to give that a little bit of a perspective when it comes to a few other players here, the line on uh, rookie Texans rookie quarterback uh, C.J. Stroud is actually three higher than Kenny Pickett's at 21 and a half. Uh, the over and under the highest number on the board right now uh, is Patrick Mahomes with 36 and a half, which is obviously nearly double what Kenny Pickett's is at eight, 18 and a half. Uh, Pickett, uh, ha- uh, as a team last year, the Steelers had just 12 touchdown passes. One of those Chase Claypool responsible for, uh, when you look at over under yardage, passing yardage for Kenny Pickett, that's, uh, 3,300.5, uh, right now. And, and once again, to kind of put that in perspective, Strouds is is currently set higher than Pickett's by exactly a hundred yards at 3,400.5 and Mahomes leads the pack with 4,800.5 as his over under number, which is obviously 1500 more than, than, than Kenny Pickett's, uh, seeing that number initially or revisiting that number, uh, just this past week, my Initial thought was, hmm, that's a good number. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I can see how maybe that would attract, uh, uh, you know, action on, 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 on both sides of it. Now, in no way, shape, or form, I'm trying to compare uh, uh, Kenny Pickett to, to, to Ben Roethlisberger. And obviously, we're talking about a span of, jeez, uh, you know, damn near 20 years but, uh, you know, Roethlisberger in his first three seasons really averaged, what, right around a little more than 17 touchdown passes thrown. Now, the game's changed quite a bit. The Steelers had a, a, a you know, phenomenal defense when Roethlisberger obviously came into the, the league. Uh you know, running the football was 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 their M.O. We kind of expect the Steelers to be try to revert to kind of that stuff this year. Uh, Roethlisberger didn't even crack the 18 touchdown, uh, 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 pass, you know, uh, per season number in, 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 until his fourth year, uh, overall. So it, it, and there is one more game on the schedule than there was back when he played, uh, all of that, all of that thrown out there. I got to admit that my gut would be to kind of take the under here just mm. slight, just slightly. Okay. I'm going the over. I'm thinking he's going to be 19 or 20. While I think you're right about, you know, Pittsburgh wanting to be, you know, ball control, run the ball a lot. The the keys will not be fully handed to Kenny Pickett. I just think if he starts, if you, if you start the whole season or 16 games, 
you know, it's hard not to throw 20 touchdowns or be right around there. And with an improved uh, offensive line and skill players, you get some really good red zone options and weapons and new guys and Allen Robinson, maybe what Calvin Austin can offer. Of course, Darnell Washington, just Kenny Pickett's own maturation. I really expect his touchdown percentage to double. It was 1.8 as a rookie. I think it ends up around 3.6. If you put about an average number of passes for a quarterback in a season, about 550, they get you to 19.8. So obviously, you know, we're cutting it close here, but I'm going to take the over on that and say he gets, there's going to be a time, you know, where he throws a couple in a game that hasn't happened to him in his career yet. It's going to happen once or twice. You get a three touchdown game that kind of boosts your numbers. So I think he ends up, you know, 19, 20 touchdown passes. What does, what does the max uh, over for him feel like 20 the, in terms of an over or under what would be the max no, no, I mean well, yeah, if he just... goes he goes over in other words what's what's what what do you feel is his ceiling at, okay. at that number yeah in terms of ceiling for touchdown passes I would probably cap it around you know, on a high end in that 22 to 24 range on a ceiling aspect of it boy if he hits that I mean we're we're I mean, we might yeah. think about the city throwing a parade. Well, I, I also think about if you get behind a bunch of these games and they're garbage time touchdowns, I mean, they can come in different forms. I mean, that, that's like ceiling, you know, and that may, that may mean good things. It may mean bad things where you're playing catch up when you're down, you know, two scores late and you get some garbage time stats in there. But that's kind of, I think, the high end of things. It feels like if, and look, I, I wouldn't go into betting the under, uh, I wouldn't load up the house on it. You know, mm-hmm. but it feels like if he, if he is going to go over 18 and a half, I think it looks like something like what you said uh, there with a couple of, com- you know, uh, uh, four maybe coming in, in garbage time, maybe in some losses. Uh, but it does feel like emphatically if he was to, if he was to bust 20, it feels like there should be. I don't know, three or four double explosive ones in there. Right. And there should be a couple more explosive because at one point last year, their longest touchdown pass was what, eight yards. It was something absurdly low until the finale when Pickens went for, I think, 30. So they're going to get a couple more chunk plays. We hope and we think their red zone offense will will be better than the 23rd ranked it's been each of the last two years. Obviously, the run game can have an impact there, but we expect the, the offense to produce more to get more big plays, to be better in the red zone. All those things tell me that Kenny Pickett will, you know, see a a boost in terms of his touchdowns and touchdown percentage. I do think, though, that they're going to want to try to slam that thing in on the ground when they get down low. Yeah, I'm with you. And and that's, you know, me, me, me taking the under isn't a slight at him. It's just how I view this offense going. Sure. And I mean, I'm saying, you know, 20. So obviously I'm not expecting some sort of prolific, you know, 30 plus touchdown season. It's still going to be ball control. Where where, where are you at in ceiling and floor? If you had to kind of give me, you know, semi-real. 20 feels like if he goes over, if it, 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 it feels to me like if he goes over the 18 and a half, that number will be 20. You think that's the ceiling for him? I mean, like in a best case, like most touchdowns you can envision him throwing. That, that's what it feels like to me. Okay. And you think the floor, where do you think the floor comes in at? Just kind of give me a range of what is within the 90 percentile, you know, positive, negative outcome. Uh, I don't know. It feels like 16. Yeah. 
my range for me is like 16 to 24 is going to be where he falls in. I think I would, if I had to pick a number, I would say 20. Okay. Okay. So, so you're so taking we're, the under. We're right. we're, I, I would take the under as we sit here right now until I see some, you know, uh, see some stuff, you know, moving forward here. So you're thinking 18, if you had to pick one particular number. Yeah, you know, I I can envision him just missing it at 18, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, Yeah, because I I had this debate on Twitter a little bit, and I had the stat, if he throws... And once again, this is not, this is is me projecting of how I think this team will try to operate in the red zone. Uh, You know, obviously scoring needs to go up, needs to score more points. But uh, I, I I really feel like they're going to try to slam this thing in the ground. I think Najee could be the benefit uh, of this even more uh, if they if they're able to run the football they want to and if they're able to move the football. Uh, I you know I, I foresee a lot of uh, first down or second down goal to goal touchdowns or or even a quarter quarterback sneaker yeah. four for 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 Kenny Pickett. You know, you saw that quite a bit last year. So yeah, I I think you're right. I think that you're going to see them want to be able to punch the ball in, but there's going to be some third and goal from the five where you're going to have to throw the football. I mean, they had, I'm looking up the numbers now, they had nine red zone touchdown passes last year by quarterbacks. Claypool had one, I'm discounting that. Nine between Pickett and Trubisky. They got to have more than that this year. I just think they're not going to sit there at, at, at nine. Okay. Um. But yeah, I had I had the, the stat in my Twitter conversation the other day that if Pickett attempts... Oh, or what was it? I think if he completes like 350 passes, you know, no quarterback in NFL history is thrown. I forget the stat. I'm kind of mixing myself up here. But, you know, if he has a if he throws 550 passes, it's almost it's really hard to not throw 20 touchdowns off of that. So that's kind of why I go to 20. Yeah, I, I I think the big thing for him is and we talked about this a little bit in the last show, too. You'll keep the interceptions down for sure. Uh, uh, you know, don't turn the football. And I think that's how they're going to kind of approach it. I think they're going to take their, obviously the reins off of them a little bit more, but within that, I, I still think the onus will be on them is look, just don't, don't lose, you know, don't, don't turn the damn football over. You know? mm-hmm. What do you think taking off the reins means? Because it, they're obviously still going to be measured and controlled. You're right. They still don't want to turn the ball over. They want to be run heavy focused. I think you give, the- I think it starts with the autonomy. You know, we talked about okay. that a lot uh, late last season, especially on the heels of the Pat, Pat Fryermuth, you know, uh, comment and all like that. Uh, uh, I think you give them a little bit more leeway in, in certain down distance situations to check, check in and out, out of certain things. He's obviously, you know, got enough games under him now that he's seen enough stuff and and if you know something rotates down that doesn't match the play call you know ha- having a little bit more autonomy uh to either attack it down the field or or something along those lines and, and look obviously uh if this team can come out of the shoot and run the football early and get some of the get 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 those boxes packed up uh a, a, a little bit more often maybe that'll present more opportunities to for him to attack the middle of the field more uh uh uh, up his uh, adjusted uh, depth of, of 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 target numbers along those lines. There. Okay. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it's. Uh, I'll give you the family feud. Good answer. I like that. I think there will be some more autonomy. I think hopefully he'll be able to make some more calls and checks, and you know, maybe the RPO game will get expanded a bit here. That kind of gives him some flexibility to make some you know pre and post snap 
type of reads. All those things should happen in 2023. And look, if they have done, if they have built this thing right with the running game and the offensive line and the pass protection and and the addition of Robinson and 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 a healthy you know Calvin Austin the third and a uh, uh, second year jump from from uh, from from George Pickens and getting the ball out in space more you know uh, running ability to to Deontay Johnson you know all, all of a byproduct of that is we should see his adjusted net yards per passing attempt number jump and quite honestly you know I, I you know I'm expecting that thing to 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 jump over six and maybe even threaten seven and. You know, I'll be obviously talking about that number quite a bit once the season goes and, you know, interceptions and sacks are, 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 uh, hurt, uh, that number and touchdown passes help that number, you know? Right. Right. I know this is a super obvious point. It's why they pay me the big bucks, but man, Dave, this run game better work well this year. It better be more efficient. I mean, they're, they're just putting all their chips into that basket and if they can't run the ball effectively and more efficiently. It's going to be a long season. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think you want to get in situations where you have to have have to have him drop back fifty times a game. You know. Right. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, most quarterbacks don't want to be in that position, and I'm confident in Pickett. I think he can play well, but I mean, their model is built around this run run game, ball control. I mean, that's what the whole thing has been, and I, you can question it. And obviously, every team is banking on something working. The Chiefs are banking on this pass game better work, because if it doesn't work, then then that's kind of what the whole thing's built around. So you got to pick a lane and, and attack it, and Pittsburgh has, and that that's all well and good. But um, you do need to see this run game really be in action. want to see Najee Harris's you know, yards per carry be, I would hopefully say, well above four yards per carry. The run success rate continue to, to be high and, and expand upon where it was last year. Finish these drives off in the red zone all those feel like musts in 2023. You know, when you look at this, this, uh, the way this team is built right now at this point, when you, when you peek ahead at, 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 at a general, and I use that term loosely, uh, salary cap situation, this team looks like they might be in, uh, uh, specifically next year. Uh, when you look at, uh, the, long list of the current long list of, of, I think 20 players that are set to become unrestricted free agents, uh, after this season. And we'll talk about that here in a minute. But, uh, when you look at everything, the way they seem to have built this team specifically this year, it screams to me that they're looking for a nice jump from Pickett this year. And if they get that jump, they should, the Super Bowl window, in my opinion, the way they have it built, should open up in 2024. Yeah, I'm with you. Now, what would, what else would have to happen for 2024 to kind of become the year? Would there be another step that team would have to make in the offseason? Or does that just come down to Pickett's progression in terms of, the jump of them not being a Super Bowl contender in 2023 versus hopefully being one in 2024. What's what's the bridge there? Uh, I, I really, from an early look right now, and this is way, way too early, but I, I'm not expecting them to make a lot of uh I don't think we'll be as busy during the off season uh, as we were uh, uh, this off season when it comes to to free free. And even so, it's not like they broke the bank, right? 
No, they just there was just a lot, a of, lot of it. Yeah, a, a lot of churn. I I will say this: I don't think I I think they're hoping that they don't have to churn the bottom of the roster as much as they did this year. Uh, I don't foresee them being as splashy in 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 in, in free agency next March. Uh, I think they're betting that they've got a lot of these pieces here right now that, that, that they can work with. I think the biggest thing that they would be looking for going into for, for the 2024 season would be for Pickett to even take to, to perhaps double the jump that he makes in 2023 into 2024. And that be, because you're not going to win a Super Bowl in this league without, a, without quarterback play. Right. That's where I was going to go. Yeah. If, if, if there's going to be another level to take two years from now, it's going to be quarterback play. Cause that's what, that's what they come down to. And, and Pickett's going to have to go toe for toe with some of these top names. And obviously it's not all on him. The defense has to play well and, we're oversimplifying things a little bit, but I mean, it comes down but, to quarterback but, play. But are we, you know, I mean, it, you, you look over the history of the last 20 years, there's only been a handful of quarterbacks win the Super Bowls, right? Sure. Yeah. I mean, obviously, and but there's I mean, a changing of a guard at some point. Yes. Uh, but it, it does feel uh, that 2000 to me, you, you, you asked the question, what needs to happen in mm-hmm. 2024 if things in my head go the way I think that they're going to go? I think the jumping quarterback play with, in Kenny Pickett in 2024 is what would would, would be the dif- the difference maker. Yeah, I, I would agree because I think if things go well in 2023, let's say this team gets in the playoffs, they win a wild card game, they get bounced in divisional weekend, you take it. I think it's a win for the Steelers in 2024. You sit, sit there and say, okay, Kenny Pickett, year three, it's really your team now, really going to come out of your shell. And this offense should just be more experienced in general. It's not going to be this young offense trying to figure itself out anymore with guys like Pickens and Harris and Warren and Fryermuth and. Calvin Austin and the offensive line, Broderick Jones, for example. Um, and you really want to see this offense take off while the defense is still having the core in place of Hayward and Watt and Minka and, you know, hopefully Joey Porter Jr. is coming along. So it'd be that that merge point of the defense is still really strong. It's it's older, but it's strong. And the offense is now where it needs to be. And that's when you become a contender. Right. All right. So let's... uh. Let's get into your 90 and 30 here, Dave. I think it's been, uh, I think there's what, uh, nine names to to note. So we'll start off with Madre Harper, who's a futures contract guy, special teamer, bit of cup of coffee in the NFL, but certainly not one of the most recognizable names on this roster. Uh, I, I mentioned real quick about that list of, let, let's hit on that. Ro- oh, I don't want to, I don't, I don't sure. want to give it all away because I'm still writing it up and all like that. But uh, uh, we both, you know, when, when you look ahead at, at, at the, the, or when you look right now at the team's current uh, list of, 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 of players who were set to become unrestricted free agents in March of 2024. I think that list is 20 long right now. Alex Highsmith is still on that list right now. We expect that to change, right? Yes. Uh, I think we have di- different opinions on when that'll change. I'm more post-camp, you're pre-camp, but change all, all the same. Right. In other words, he's going to be off this list come week one of the uh, of the regular season. Right. He'll have a, a long-term deal done. 
All right, that 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 puts a list in at 19. I'm going to read off the these names of 19 other players outside of Alex Highsmith who become unrestricted free agents. You tell me which ones we which one or ones that we might be having the biggest discussion about after the 2023 season when it comes to re-signing more than the minimum, okay? Okay, got it. Uh, Armand Watts, Braden Mann, Braden Fajoko, Chandon Sullivan, Duke Dawson, Elijah Riley, Gunnar Olszewski, James Pierre, Kevin Dotson, LaRaven Clark, Levi Wallace, Marcus Golden, Mason Rudolph, Miles Boykin, Miles Killebrew, Montravius Adams, Nick Kwiatkowski, Tanner Muse, and Zach Gentry. Now, obviously, a lot of these guys aren't even going to, you know, a, 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 a chunk of them are not even going to make it to week one of, of the regular season, so they'll be off the list. But of those 19 names, who is the guy we are most likely talking about this team trying to resign, if any of them, for more than the minimum? I really have just one name. It's Levi Wallace. I think that's a name to to talk about. Okay, I I think there's two, uh, at least to potentially talk about. Uh, and once again, I don't want to give this. And, and, and yeah, just to be clear, I mean, other guys can be re-signed, but in terms sure. of like the, the bigger well, money, the real discussion, you know, I mean, I'm not saying to not resign all those other 18 names, but like right. the one bigger name there that's, that's going to kind of come into focus would be Levi Wallace. Right. I think two names in general jump off this list. Uh, I think Levi Wallace is one of them. I think Marcus Golden is the other one, but Golden is already. 32, 32, 33. Yeah, it gets a little old at that point. I think you know, maybe Herbig comes along. Hopefully, obviously, how he works at edge is to be determined. And, and and even so, if Golden got himself into a situation where he had a fantastic 2023 season, something probably happened that he had to had to play all those snaps and, and put up those kind of numbers. And if indeed that was the case, I thought it was let, let's let, let's paint a scenario with golden where he had to start, I don't know, six, eight games. And he ended up with six, eight, nine sacks, uh, you know, uh, something like that played well against the run. You know, at that point, would he even price himself out of the Steelers market? Yeah. The first thought would be, uh Oh, why is he starting six, seven games? Who got hurt? What happened? Uh, so you hope it doesn't happen. But I mean, yeah, he again, that's a guy that could be re-signed. It, I mean, he signed for the minimum, minimum this year, yeah. right? I mean, if he has a decent year, maybe a bit more than that, but he's going to be older. It's not going to be, it'd be a one-year deal. So to me, that you know wouldn't probably meet a multi-year deal worth decent money the way that Le- Levi Wallace might. All right. When it comes to Levi Wallace, even... You know, what kind of scenario are you painting that you're looking at Levi Wallace and saying, man, we, we, we got to get that back, that guy back for, 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 for more than the minimum, even though we hope you know, we're hoping these, these younger cornerbacks sure. come along, Patrick Peterson, hopefully uh, did enough to stay around uh, uh, for, you know, uh, on the deal that he's on uh, Levi Wallace, not, not going to go down in the annals of, of, of special teams, uh, uh, highly functional type guy there. 
So once again, I think we're back in a situation of what did Levi Wallace do in 2023 that has you chomping at the bit, if you will, to get him re-signed for more than a minimum. Yeah, I mean, I, I wrote about this yesterday in my What's His Role series explaining and kind of expanding on what I envision Wallace's role to be in 2023. And, and you're right. It's not me saying that he has to be re-signed. It's going to be dependent on, obviously, his play and, more importantly, probably the play of the youngsters and Porter and Trice. And how does Patrick Peterson look? I still am a little iffy on how that's going to go. It's a two-year deal. Could it become a one-year deal, essentially? I think that that's possible. Um, but just in terms of who's the best player on that list, who's the guy that's going to have the biggest impact on the 2023 Steelers, it should be Levi Wallace. And so I think it's a really in- interesting discussion, um, you know, about him and his future. And you know, is this the last year in Pittsburgh or not? But, uh, you know, he, he, he's a solid cornerback. Like he's steady Eddie. I think I thought he came on strong the back half of last year and he got off to kind of a rougher start. He missed some time in camp, new team, all that kind of stuff, but he's a solid corner. Um, not a great one, but, but a guy that, you know, needs to be a steady contributor throughout the season. I'll give away the giant Easter egg here the way this, this kind of feels like the post is going to go on this. We could be in a situation and I already kind of teased it when we were talking about, you know, what, what the future looks like past 2023 and all like that with this team and the way it's built, we could get to after this season, uh, and the, and the, uh, the, after the 2023 season and the general overview be damn, let them all walk, <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> well, yeah, I'm not, right. not a word say a, a, okay. Yeah. I, and obviously some of them will be, you know, a few of them will be back on, on veteran benefit contracts more than likely. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Some of those will come back, but there, there is no name that, that you read off that says, man, that guy has to come back day. That guy does not, he's not on that list. And we actually had a few of those guys this past off season that we kind of, you know, you can make, you know, claims for uh, maybe they will resign this guy for, for a little bit more money, you know? Sure. And obviously if Alex Highsmith, does not get extended, then he becomes the name on that list for 2024. Well, well and then you're looking at a tag and, and sign right. then, you know. Sure. But in terms of like notable names, we're like, you don't want right. to lose this guy. Right. You know, he'd be the guy. So that name does not seem to exist as we sit here today besides Highsmith for 2024. So as I circle this back to cut, you, you can understand where I was going down that hole with looking past 2023 and how this team seems to be built, uh, you know, uh, built around kind of the core that they have and the moves that they have made and the drafts that they've had the last two years. Uh, and then, you know, it's way too early to talk about salary cap, but, uh, you know, the, I, I don't expect them to be super flashy. And I don't expect them to be, you know, very dependent on their unrestricted free agents after this year. Sure, but there still should be some resignings. Obviously, some of those names you need you rattle off will resign for cheap one, two year type of contract. So um I, I'm with you. You're not gonna see the the busyness of the offseason next year in all likelihood that roster churn is meant to take place in in the first year for the GM in, in his first full season, as it was for Omar Khan this offseason, as opposed to year two. If, if there is a lot of roster churn next year probably means the season did not go well in 2023 and and they were kind of scrapping things. 
All right, uh, back to the 90 and 30 series. I think we have, what, nine names to discuss. You mentioned uh, Madre Harper, uh, former 2020 undrafted free agent out of uh, Southern Illinois. Uh, what, uh, he he landed, I think he's been with the Raiders, Giants, and Carolina Panthers, mostly as a practice squad player. I think he's playing like 12 NFL games, just 37 total defensive snaps. Uh, he has log. He's got some special teams burn on him. Uh, 148 special team snaps to date. Uh, I think he's he's obviously one of those kind of longer cornerbacks that the Steelers like. Six, almost six foot, 296 pounds. Uh, the general takeaway here is is probably something's gone horribly wrong if we're getting towards the end of training camp into the preseason. And we're talking about, boy, you know, Madre Harper's still in the running here to make this 53 man roster. It feels like, you know, uh, push comes to shove, uh, when this, when the smoke clears here this summer, uh, it feels like the realistic, uh, 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 thing for Harper when it comes to staying in Pittsburgh, uh, past the final round of cuts would be a practice squad player. I'm with you, but there is some special teams value. And so a guy that just might have a good summer and a good camp does not always, you know, mean that you become a guy on the 53, but he hang around on the practice squad. Injuries happen. Last year, Pittsburgh secondary got depleted pretty early in the season by injuries. You never know. So that's a guy that I think could have a good summer and just, you know, make some noise, even if this not necessarily mean he becomes a 53 man roster guy come week one. It feels around that, that, that facility this summer. He walking around with a side eye towards James Pierre. It it, it feels like uh, James Pierre could be his ticket to, uh, uh, you know, the the best chance overtaking James Pierre. You know, especially on special teams play, seems to be the golden ticket there. Yeah, I think that's fair. And James Pierre, we'll talk about him later in the series. You know, what is James Pierre? Is he now just Pierre special team, a special teams kind of guy? It kind of feels that way. They've given him some opportunities defensively. It's been very inconsistent, some ups, some downs. You know, he's kind of just settled into that gunner, jammer type role. Uh, I say this tongue in cheek, but uh, this summer, if 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 James Pierre uh, decided he wanted to run around with some scissors, I would go get him the scissors. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, poor James Pierre. <laughs> No, if I'm Harper, uh, oh, if you're, I'm, oh, you're Harper. Oh, yeah, oh you're I'm, like, if, you're, you're, you're Tanya Harding. This thing. Okay. If oh I'm Harper, I go try to find him the scissors to run with. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. I, I, I mean that totally tongue in cheek. Yeah, sure. Sure. But you know, I, 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 it feels like he, that's the guy that he would have to overtake here. Yeah. I'm with you. All right. Najee Harris. I know we've talked about him some, what is the number one thing you're looking at? And I think I know the answer to this, but what is the number one thing you're looking from Nashi Harris in 2023? Uh, 100% health. Okay. I thought you were going to go, going to go big plays, try to get a couple of explosive I, runs out of him. I, I, I mean, I, I'd obviously like to see a couple more of those, but I mean, uh, really, if you, if you look at him throughout his career and who he, the type player that he is and, uh, all the trends point to not a huge increase in that happening. If it does, fantastic. Take every one of them uh, that 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 you get uh, and and run with it, you know. But uh, I'm not looking for a huge increase in explosive runs of 20 yards or more. Maybe if we're talking about explosive runs in in the 15 yard mark with that, maybe that can bump up a little bit there. But I mean, let's face it, I, I I'm not expecting him to 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 go 65 to the house, you know. Yeah. Uh, within that, I mean, if he was able to to stay healthy and and log, you know, uh, 
two or three more. Obviously, that would be huge when it comes to a player like him. Uh, I think overall, a 100% healthy, uh, especially at the start of the season, Najee Harris is is obviously huge. And, you know, I think we talked about earlier in the show about, you know, red zone and and everything. I, I think, you know, with the emergence of, of, of Jalen Warren, they can be a little, you know, uh, get him off the field, you know, a little bit in some situations here. Uh, I do like the chances of him. Uh, let's see. He only needs uh, 1,666 yards uh, f- uh, f- uh, from scrimmage to to have a statistically a best season when it comes to yardage. He, you know, he had a nice number of touchdowns last season. I think he's going to have to equal that or better it in 2023 here. But I think just overall, I want to see a healthy Najee Harris. I want to see him him top 1,800 yards from scrimmage, if at all possible here. Uh, I'd like to see him be used a little bit more in the passing game than he was last year. Mm-hmm. Maybe not as much as maybe his rookie season but somewhere within there. But I, I really think it all boils down to health with him. Yeah, and you're right. We saw that last year. I mean, he literally got hurt on the first play in pads on his first carry, essentially, and it kind of you know had that terrible start, and he was hampered throughout the first half of the year, had that steel plate in his cleat, and once that got removed and he got healthier post-buy, it felt like you were kind of watching a different running back. So... That that's obviously where it begins, but yeah, you want to see a couple more big plays, and, and it's probably relative for Najee. Big plays, not about the fifty-plus yard runs, but ten to fifteen, and maybe the occasional twenty-yarder is what he's gonna. A lot need. of eights, eights are wild, or sevens yeah. are wild. <laughs> I, I, I think uh, 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 with him, uh, obviously, if you're getting runs of seven yards on first and ten, that's going to change the complexion you know, uh, of the, of the offense. It's going to start triggering uh, safeties. The byproduct of Najee Harris of seven yards on first and 10 is huge. So if you want to talk about anything overall, you know, we, we go back to successful run rates, right? Got to see it mm-hmm. 55% on any run. I mean, uh, once again, third and one, you get me one yard, you did your job. Attaboy. That's, that's 100% successful run in those situations. But more specifically, when we're talking first and second down runs, really got to see that number 55% uh, successful run or better. And I think uh, seven sevens hopefully sevens are wild when it comes to to Najee Harris we're talking about boy another seven yard run for Najee Mm -hmm. Harris yeah I think he's going to be the schedule maker as in he's going to keep Pittsburgh's offense and run game on schedule on those early downs so they're not in second and nine and second and 11 they're in second and five second and four I mean those are the types of things that uh, this offense needs that they're kind of building this thing around so it's probably being a bit more downhill a little more north south than what he was last year but yeah, some of those bigger runs. And then I, I'm with you on pass game. I mean, he's not going to have his rookie numbers. He's not no longer the workhorse back. Jalen Warren's going to be the third down back. That's going to, you know, soak up a lot of those those reception opportunities. But I thought Harris didn't do a lot in the pass game last year. There was the big touchdown against Baltimore. He's capable of it, obviously. So I'm with you. I want to see him you know, have a better year receiving wise than 2022. Right. I think it's going to fall somewhere in between what we saw last year and his rookie season. Somewhere. And that's a pretty large gap, I think, overall. Wasn't it like a difference of like 40 catches or something like that? 
That's uh, pretty close. I can check here. I mean, he had a ton, obviously, his rookie season. It was 74 in 2021, down to uh, 41 in 2022. And so the yards, 33 difference yeah. in catches? Yeah, and the yards, you know, a, a dip in yards per reception. The touchdowns were the same. But, yeah, you want to see, you know, give me a, I don't know, 55 catch for, I don't know what the math would be on that. 325 and three touchdowns, something like that would be ideal. All right, that sounds fair. All right, Presley Harvin, the third. Yeah, it's uh it, it's a battle that probably won't get talked about a ton this summer, but there's gonna be a true battle between him and Braden Mann. And they're kind of similar punters, big legs, Ray Guy award winners. There's some consistency concerns in mm-hmm. both of uh, of their games, and so that's going to be a factor and who can hold well. I thought Harvin was a really good holder on, on field goals last year. I don't know how, how good man is at it. So, but that'll be a good battle. And really it's going to be determined because in practice, you really don't get a feel for, it's hard to really win the battle uh, in, in practice. There's no rush. It's, you know, pretty low intensity. And unless some guy looks amazing or some guy looks terrible, there's really not going to be a lot of separation, but inside stadiums with now your three preseason games, that's going to be the difference in determining who makes this team. The big C, I and I think I hit on that a couple of times in 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 this recap here. Consistency is uh, the biggest thing. We know he has a big leg. You know, uh, does he know where it's going all the time? Uh, and you know, got 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 to get out get out uh, those those thirty five yard punts out of your system completely. You know, uh, uh, when it comes to that stuff there, I think we can rubber stamp this conversation when we get to Braden man as well, too. So I think the one and look, I, I do think Harvin has the upper hand overall, maybe when it comes to holds and all like that there, but I mean, he's got to be more consistent overall, uh, this summer into the preseason and all. And look, even if he makes the roster, uh, that just means he made the roster because it, you know if he if he struggles early, I think you could see this team make a punter change. Yeah, that's not out of the question. Now, to be to to be fair, I thought there was improvement last year. His average, I believe, increased. His net, I know, increased, and I thought some of that inconsistency was not as pronounced. I know his rookie year, he was dealing with a lot of personal hardship. So there was growth and improvement, but that will have to continue. And it's good for him to have some competition, and it should push. Him and, you know, obviously push Braden Mann to be the best man possible. Now, for Mann, he does have the advantage of being a kickoff specialist and, and, and being able to do that. And that could take some of the load and stress off of Chris Boswell. That's attractive, but it will come down to the better punter, the better holder. That's the primary mission and determination of who's going to get the job. All right, we got a couple of Herbigs to talk about next. Nate Herbig up first, you know, sign him to a two-year, $8 million contract uh, this offseason. Obviously, last season with the New York Jets has played, let's see, in 44 regular season games, 28 starts. 11 of those those starts uh, came with the Jets in 2022. He played 706 offensive snaps. Uh, he's played both, both guard spots in the NFL to date. I think he's, uh, probably better suited to play the right guard spot, but he has logged left, left guard spot. Uh, this is setting up for Herbig to be your top swing guy. Yep. That's his role this year. Top swing guy. The question to me is, could he play some center? Could he be in that center conversation with that? 
uncertainty behind Mason Cole. I don't probably think so. not. Yeah, probably not. But you know, you never know what can happen over the course of a season with injuries. But yeah, he'll be the top backup at both guard spots, uh, a mauling run blocker. That's his MO. I think if you got into a situation in the game where you went through your first two, then he becomes the break glass in case of an emergency guy to go in there and be uh, to get you out of the game. Uh, with when it when it comes to center but uh, looking for him to be and hopefully we don't have to see him play all that much but you know with the with the luck that this team had on offensive line and you know uh, you know he's he's probably going to play some snaps at a guard position in 2023 and you obviously hope those are above the line when he gets in there Right. Nick Herbig, what are you looking and what are you expecting out of him, his rookie season? Not a lot of defensive snaps overall, especially with Marcus Golden now in the fold there. Maybe you get him out there in some exotic type situations where he can rush rush the pass or maybe as a third outside linebacker on the field. Uh, I really don't, you know, barring barring a you know a couple of injuries with this team, I don't anticipate a lot of playing time on the defensive side of football for Nick Herbig. I, I do, however, think this uh this kid can be a core special teams player for you. Uh log two hundred and 50 special team snaps uh, could quite, we could quite very well be talking about him leading this team in special teams tackles at the Mm -hmm. end of the season uh, with him. But overall, uh, when it comes to Nick Herbig, I I am looking for a special teams demon in his rookie season. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment overall. I think he's a hair on fire kind of guy, a good athlete. I think pass rushers do well on special teams. They know how to use their hands, know how to defeat blocks. Again, defensively, the number four spot does see some time, though, maybe eight eight to ten snaps a game. So there could be something there. And so there's questions about, you know, just, you know, how much you'll see and can you hold up against the run? But I think he can carve out an immediate, impactful role on special teams. I agree. And now we're from the Herbicks to the Haywards with Cam and Connor, starting with Cam Hayward, just had that long discussion about him. Probably not much else to to add there, but still still going strong at this point in his career. Yeah, I, we, we did enough talking about him early in the show. I think we can move on to Connor here. All right, yeah, Connor Hayward. That There's a lot to talk about with Connor Hayward in terms of his usage, his role, how many snaps he'll have. It's uh, It's a really interesting kind of debate. I don't think overall you'll see his snap num- number on offense uh, increase, you know, significantly, if any. Uh, I think his role, though, as we've talked about quite a bit, could be uh, uh, a lot different. He played 174 total offensive snaps last season. I kind of project that number to be probably either slightly higher or slightly lower than that uh, this year. Uh, it's just it's all about his role with him. I expect more more fullback, more H-back type situations uh, when he is technically a tight end on the field. I've expected to see him kind of split out a little bit more, maybe, you know, kind of take advantage of, of some situations, get him on a linebacker or safety, um, maybe try to stretch the, you know, the, 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 the field vertically a la his touchdown against the Falcons last season. Uh, but you know, I am, I am quite interested to see, uh, how much fullback he gets and how he's able to do in that fullback role with him uh, with all these tight ends on the roster, especially if this team keeps three in total uh, here. I'm not expecting to see him attached to the line of scrimmage much, if any. 
this year. Uh, special teams, though, boy, you want to talk about a good special teams player? This is another guy who can potentially lead your team in in or be right up there in the top three of special teams snaps played and special special teams tackles. Yeah, I, I think everything there is accurate. I think they have to move this guy around. He shouldn't just be one thing. I don't expect him to be one thing. I think he'll be a lot of why off in terms of, of a tight end. As you said, fullback, split out, going to catch a bunch of passes in the flat off of boots, off of play action, and should be a, a multi-phase, maybe four-phase core special teams guy. But as long as he's being used his versatility is being highlighted that that's the best thing for him. As long as he's not static and just doing one thing, then he should have a a fine season. I think one thing that jumps out when it comes to his blocking uh, last year was in, in kind of those split flow zone type situations. I, I like the effort there. I mean, he's not obviously not that big of guy. I think he knows now at the NFL level uh, with some of these guys, when you're coming across the formation, you have, Sometimes, you know, you got to leave your feet and, 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 and chop these guys. You know, we've seen mm-hmm. it done to uh, TJ Watt more times than we'd like. You know, I think you got to return the favor if you're going to put them in those type situations, kind of that H back uh, coming across in some of the split flow, flow situations. But hopefully we're not talking about that all that much this year. Right. And we saw that improvement. I thought early in the year he was trying to, you know, in the split flow stand up and you know, stay on his feet and it wasn't working those cut blocks they kind of suck but the most effective thing for him to do so that's kind of working around the uh, size limitations that he has all right alex highsmith uh first and foremost we expect uh an extension for him this offseason here before week one uh from there uh moving on into the season just looking for another jump forward uh for him to become uh, I'm looking for him to try to make the jump into becoming a bona fide top 15 edge player in the NFL. I think the number one thing I'm looking for Highsmith is that inside spin, and it's his most potent move. It, it, it won so much throughout last season, but late in the year, over the last four weeks or so, you saw tackles begin to sit on it and take it away. And I forget the stat that I have, but I think he lost on his last like four or six inside spin attempts including a couple against Jedrick Wills late in the year which he's always dominated with that move so you know the the book is out on Highsmith about how he rushes and what his plan is and and that's fine just means that you're earning respect and you're getting you're on notice but how does he counter that how does he build off of that um when that kind of weapon is now being expected I want to see I want to see those wheels churning in his head in his pass rush plan because that inside spin tackles are well aware of it now I think, and we've seen a small jump in his game as a pass rusher when it comes to power. Like to see mm-hmm. that that part of his game, the power rush, take another small uh, uh, step forward. But I, I think maybe you really hit on it. I think the technical aspect of of his game, his pass rush plan, his 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 experience now and knowing how to set tackles up, when to use uh, uh, his repertoire uh, and his counters effectively. I think his biggest jump can be made with it by using his own head at this point. Yeah, I think that's going to be the jump for him. Um, and does he vary up the inside spin? Because he he would use it last year late in games and kind of big money situations. Maybe he, he runs it on first and 10 because the book on him is okay. If it's third and 
seven, fourth quarter, late in the game. Watch out for the inside spin. Maybe he does it in the second quarter, just at a random chance to kind of keep tackles on their toes. So just want to see how that pass rush plan looks. Uh, I think if this front stays healthy, you know, you get a Larry Ogan, you get the real Larry, you get the Larry Ogan Joby of a couple seasons ago back. You get Cam Hayward doing what he does. Uh, TJ Watt stays on the field and healthy and gives you what he wants there. Uh, you know, you get any pass rush production out of the, out, out of the, you know, whoever might be on the field as a nose tackle in some situations there. All of this sets up really, really favorably for a guy like Alex Highsmith to have quite a few one-on-one situations with some left tackles. Are you expecting Highsmith to match his sack production last year? Or do you think I there want could be match. some variance? You I want, want to match? match. Yeah, I, I, I think matching it is within his realm. Uh, he's got to finish a couple of these now, you know. That's true. Uh, and if he finishes some that, you know, he didn't finish in the past, I, I think he can. I Look, it, it's got to be double. Di- you you. If they pay him what they think, what I think they're going to pay him this summer, he's got to have double digit sacks and not just double right. digit. I, I think it's got to be around, you know, I, I think it's got to pretty much match, you know, what, what he's, what he had last season. Okay. I could see a bit of regression there. He did have like a three sack outing in that opener against Cincinnati. And that may not always happen. So if he gets in that 12 to last year's number 14 and a half range, I think I'm happy quietly. Guy had five five forced fumbles last year that that tied the NFL lead, and so I think we kind of forget about that when we talk about the sacks. I mean, he was you know taking the football away, ripping the football out, and finishing the play in in that aspect. Whenever he would get to the quarterback, so you know, is that going to happen again in twenty twenty three? We've seen TJ Watt's numbers there fluctuate a bit. It's not a, a given, but that's one part of his game that you saw him really work on, and something that probably does not get noticed that often when we talk about. Alex Highsmith in his game and his run defense, I thought was was solid last year too. All right, Cole Holcomb, hold on, hold on. <laughs> what yeah. does that mean? Well, I mean, and, and you've hit on this quite. You know, I want to see Cole Holcomb be a guy that has to stay around past his past a one year. You know, he better uh, three year uh, deal. He better do it right. But I mean, you know, as, as you've written about this team, hasn't had a lot of luck when it comes to the 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 the, the free agency aspect of the inside linebacker here. They're expecting this guy uh, with what they're paying him to come in and be a three down player. Uh, obviously, coming off of the foot injury, can he quickly? You know, uh, I guess you know when you look back at what Larry Ogunjobi had to go through, right? You know, you don't want a repeat of after the season saying, "Well, you know, I was coming off that injury, got a slow start, wasn't able to do." You know, it took right. me. You know, to, you know uh, I don't. Hopefully, we're not having that conversation about him. Hopefully, he hits the field uh, running right out of the shoot. Probably going to be the guy that wears the green dot for him. We've talked quite a bit about the inside linebacker position, specifically last season, and the lack of playmaking, uh, tackles for loss, interceptions, forced fumbles, even fumbles recoveries. He's got to be in that mix, making some of these plays as a three-down linebacker. Here, I'm just. You know, I don't overall, you know, I've obviously seen his tape from, from previous seasons. I know what I think he is. He's a, a very, uh, he, he can run after the football, hair on fire guy and all like that. But I think it comes down to playmaking, properly running this defense and, and, and being the communication, a hub with him. But I'm quite interested, you know, don't be another guy that gets thrown on the pile. Right. For sure. I do think first and foremost, three down guy. Green dot hub of communication. That's going to be the central, you know, 
the foundations of his play of his season. He's got to be a good communicator. There's a lot of new on that defense, especially in some of those kind of hubs at inside linebacker at slot corner at strong safety. Can he be a playmaker? Do you feel like, I, I don't know if I, if I feel Holcomb is playmaker when I think about Cole Holcomb. I think there is some, some, some maybe potential concerns there. Uh, look, uh, my old man never got worried when, you know, with, with, with the element on the oven, uh, being on because you touch it a few times there, you know, you'd learn not to touch it, you know, additionally, mm-hmm. uh, they, you know, they didn't have a lot of those, uh, electrical, uh, safety plugs in my house, uh, growing up. And I was a little baby that, uh, liked to gnaw on, uh, on wires and, uh, on, on cords of lamps and stuff like that. And, you know, my dad's philosophy was, well, all it will take is once. <laughs> you know, well, uh, you know, I, we've been, you know, we've been burned enough with these, you know, inside linebacker additions, if you will. So, uh, I'm cautiously optimistic here when it, when it comes to Holcomb. Well, I guess with that analogy, the Steelers keep putting their hand on the stove. They're going, right. no, it's hot. Let's try right. again. Is, it's, is it still hot? Oh yeah, it's still hot. So, I mean, that, that's the thought. I, mean, I think Holcomb will be fine. I think he'll have a solid season. Am I expecting big splash out of him? Hopefully a couple things bounce his in, in the Steelers way, but to me, he's not that, that playmaking type of linebacker. Well, if he's not, then, you know, at, at what he's earning, we're going to be having conversations about him next off season. Uh, we sure. got, we have to see him stay on the field. Uh, we have to see, uh, you know, not just a little bit of playmaking because a little bit more than, than last year, <laughs> it's just a little <laughs> bit more than nothing. Yeah. It's multiplying uh, by zero. You get zero. Yeah. Right. So we've got to be talking, I mean, right out of the shoot, I'm talking first four games. Oh man. You know, three, t- three tackles for losses for, uh, for, for Hulk, boy, a, a key third and short stop, uh, uh, a, a tip ball that led to an interception, uh, an interception, a force. You know, we got to be talking about those things in the first four games of the season when it comes to Holcomb. Yeah, I would love to. I'm not sure if we're going to get it, but I think the communication is is the first thing because without the communication, the playmaking doesn't really matter. You're going to have too many coverage busts, too many missed assignments, and uh, the defense is not going to function as it should. All right. All right. Uh, I think that was the last one there. So. Uh, We'll come back on Tuesday and uh, hit the next batch of names. All right. Anything else, Dave, to talk about? I think that kind of uh, sums up uh, all the things that I wanted to hit uh, today pretty well. Anything to add? Uh, We'll hit uh, uh, an email or two here real quick from uh, Ramon. Hey, Ramon again from Mexico. I do not think that uh, many people are going to like this question, but here it goes. What are some good traits from offensive coordinator Matt Canada you see that could get us excited for this year based on what you have seen so far. What do you think is, is this offense's ceiling and generally speaking, how much power does the OC usually have in Pittsburgh last year? There was a bit, bit of change with the offense before and after the buy, but I don't know how much can be attributed to Canada changing his style or Tomlin deciding to go in another direction. Appreciate it. All right, Ramon in Mexico. Good to hear from you. First and foremost, uh, Second of all, when you think of positives, when you think of Matt Canada, I think you think of them pre-snap with the motions and stuff like that. But on the backside of that, I think when you think about negatives, when you think of Matt Canada, 
you think about his ability to 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 design and have uh, an offense ready to adjust after the ball snapped uh, there. Uh, you know, I, his motions, but look, his motions and all like that are not new. Now, obviously in the NFL, it's what got having doing what he did in college was able to get him to the level he, uh, he's at now. So if there, if there was a positive when it comes to Matt Canada, I would think it all of it stems around pre-stap. Yeah, positives on Canada. How about you ask me to split an atom or something? A little, little, give me an easy one. Um, I'm I'm trying to trying to genuinely think. I I think he's a guy that that has the the right base offense in mind, and a lot of guys in the NFL today have actually kind of learned from him. Guys like Kyle Shanahan. Um, I think you know you can credit some of the Matt Canada principles in college to some of the things that have been built out today. And I think you know even if Canada didn't handpick the direction of this offense. I think the way that it's structured kind of fits with Canada's system of, you know, run heavy play action, you know, mobile quarterbacks, you know, bootlegs, uh, get the quarterback out in space kind of stuff. And that can work well. And while this won't be a direct compliment, I do understand he was in a tough spot really the last two years. You know, the first year is OC Ben's last year. You're trying to mesh the ideals between what Ben has always done and what Canada wants. They really weren't the same thing. And then last year you have quarterback changes, the youngest offense in football. It's a difficult situation all the way around. So it's really hard to, you know, implement your plan when you're just trying to keep your head above water. So I I try to give some grace there, even if they're not really direct compliments to Canada, the coach, I do know he was in some less than ideal situations last season. How much power do you envision Canada having? Uh, in terms of what specifically? Well, I mean, you know, how, how much power, you know, does he have uh, game plans, uh, you know, bu- building things, you know, during the week in relation? Do, do you think uh, Thomas says have at it and we'll see you on game day? Or how much do you think Tomlin's thumb is on things? Um. That's a good question. It's hard for me to say. I obviously don't think Canada has free reign. I don't. I think this offense still is going to be pretty kind of constrained and, and structured. But it does help that Tomlin's more of a defensive coach, and so it's not like you have a super heady, offensive-minded head coach that's going to kind of run the show. So that probably gives a guy like Canada a bit more freedom. Um, yeah, I don't really Do know you, the best way to answer that. How big of how big of uh, stakes in the ground, though. Do you think that Tomlin has around Canada on, on, on a weekly basis? Constraints, I, I, yeah, some, we'll but never I think he know. has that defensively, too. I mean, he's been the head coach in so seven, you're gonna have a lot of say and sway. You've been there forever and, and you're running the show, so um, I don't think Canada shows up on 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 Friday's meeting and says, All right. Here, here's what we're doing without, no. you know, uh, to that aspect. I don't, a short answer to the question is I, I, I believe Tomlin's got a, a heavy hand involved in this. Okay. Yeah, I can see that again. It's hard to really know for sure. And what all that means, I think it's, it's probably watched closely and carefully just given the importance of the offense and some of the struggles that unit has had, but from a game plan standpoint, I mean, 
there might be some more freedom there for Canada offensively just because Tomlin, you know, as a, in, in, in the coaching aspect, has been a defensive guy throughout his career. All right. Uh, this one from Jay. What will be more of a priority for next year's draft, center or inside linebacker? Uh, all right, Jay, I think you did hit on two very good uh, choices to, to wrap around there. Uh, it feels like, and this is way too early, but it does feel like we could be staring inside linebacker in the face a little bit more so than center. If we're talking about first round draft picks and, uh, centers usually tend to slide, uh, whereas a very attractive inside linebackers tend to be right there in the Steelers wheelhouse and can come off the can now inside linebacker in the past has slid a little bit some, but uh, I guess what I'm getting at here is I can this far out right now, assuming like Highsmith gets re-signed and, and people stay healthy and, and, and some of these other draft classes progress like you think they, they should. It does seem like we'll be talking about inside linebacker potentially as the highest priority, uh, next year's draft yeah i can see that just but but center could be on that list too in round two or round three right i mean you have mason cole under contract through 2024 but in and i think he's gonna play well enough we feel like you don't have to replace him in maybe 2024 or 2025 i guess it would be would be the year to to do that but i think inside linebacker just you know do i really have great confidence in in Landon Roberts and even Cole Holcomb. You know, I've been higher on Mark Robinson than most, but the team has been pretty cautious and slow playing him. So yeah, I could see inside linebacker being the bigger, bigger need, bigger, uh, the, the, the priority path to take. True or false. The Steelers will draft both an inside linebacker and a center within their first three picks in the 2024 NFL draft. If I could answer that, Dave, I'd be doing something else. I'd be on TV on those infomercials with my crystal ball. I mean, that's that's why they listen. Listen to us. I I say true from where I sit right now. I think they draft both. Will it be within the top three rounds? You know, that that might make me hedge a little bit and say false, but I think both will be, you know, they could look, they need to look for, they need to get, they need to get a veteran backup center, though. Just go sign a veteran next year. I'll, I'll, I'll say false. Okay, I'll say true. Uh, what other position could be in the mix as a top three pick next year outside of inside linebacker and center? Yeah, I mean, who the heck knows? It could be strong safety. How about right tackle? Those are two that are coming to mind off the top. I think it's a linebacker. Certainly, it's going to be in that conversation. So, I mean, there's three positions for you right there. I haven't gone, haven't done much of anything, but I, but reading a few things here and there, it sounds like the tackle class is going to be pretty decent in 2024. Okay. I know there's the Penn state kid is going to be probably a top 10 type of guy. He's left tackle. He's not going to end up probably being a stealer, but yeah, I mean, a core for, I mean, he's under contract through, through the 2024 season. Correct. Right. But you do wonder, will he see it the whole way through? I mean, he's kind of been that he's been stable. He's been that one piece in a very, you know, changing offensive line. It's been a core for still there, but how good of a right tackle is Chuck Wilmer core for? I think he's an average guy. And if you want to make a big swing to upgrade, 
you know, maybe you cut him and, and, and or, or find something else. I don't know, something like that. All right, people, write it down. I think center and inside linebacker uh, come off the board in the first three picks for the Steelers next All year. Right. Good, good, go. good email, Jay. And I, I think Jay uh, is right on course there. Uh, okay, I think that's got uh, got us caught up here, Alex, and running about an hour and a half here, so we're right on time here. Anything else you'd like to add before we get out of here? No, we'll come back. How many, how many on... hot dogs did you eat? Uh, I was uh, right behind Joey Chestnut. I, I no, you just see me off screen there. Um, did you eat any? <laughs> I had one on the 4th ah, of July. How about you? Zero. Zero, zero. point zero. Yep. Did you have any 4th of July food? Were you with the Grinch of the 4th no, of July? No, I, I had to watch what I eat right now. So. All right. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, we'll come back on Tuesday. We should have a live stream on Monday, too. So just, you know, Dave and I, 7 p.m. Eastern time Monday for on, on YouTube for our week or bi-weekly live stream and then Tuesday for the podcast. All right. Uh, if you're on threads, the new Instagram, uh, social media app, uh, we are at Steelers Depot there. Alex, you're at Alex underscore Kazora, correct? Correct. All right. We don't know how active we're going to be on there. It's going to all depend on <laughs> the, the Twitter fallout right now and, and, and see what happens there. And we're but, still on Twitter, very much on Twitter right, for those. Right, right. Yeah. We're primarily going to be on Twitter until we tell people otherwise, but just want to give people an option to say, hate Twitter or, or like Instagram or, or anything like, or, you know, want to try out the threads thing and all like that. Otherwise find, find me on Twitter at Steeders Depot. Find, find Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show. Show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, the Terrible Podcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate to the cause, studiosdepot.com. Hit the donate button up right navigational bar. Also, if you like an ad free version of the site, studiosdepot.com. Hit the ad free button up right navigational bar. Hope everybody has a cool, safe uh, rest of the weekend, and we'll see you on Tuesday. And as always, thanks for listening to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex.